Proclaim My Word in partnership with AM 1160 The Quest, Atlanta Catholic Radio, bring you the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study. The purpose of this study is to help you live God's Word daily and help increase your faith and trust in Him. This show is made possible by listeners like you. To support Proclaim My Word, go to ProclaimMyWord.org and hit the Donate button. You'll also find the link to register for the current study and receive the study guide at ProclaimMyWord.org. Thank you for your generosity in helping us evangelize by spreading His Word. Welcome to the Bible study on the Letters to the Ephesians. I am Linda, and I'm here with Carrie Allen, the founder of Proclaim My Word, a ministry dedicated to helping us know God's Word so we can live His Word and have the courage to proclaim His Word, just as the opening theme song encourages us to do. Carrie, before we begin our episode three on chapter three in Paul's letter to the Ephesians called Let Christ Dwell in You, will you lead us in the opening prayer that can be found on page three of the study guide? Certainly, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father, I desire to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Always be with me, Lord. Open my heart to hear and live your word today and every day. Help me to keep your word in my heart, so my personal relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ, will grow ever deeper. I pray for the wisdom and the courage to proclaim the gospel with confidence, so others will be led to you and your gift of salvation. Let the light of my love for you be seen, so that others will be drawn to your love and mercy. May I have the wisdom to do your will and to follow you on earth as my Lord and Savior until I return to you. Thank you, Lord, for the many ways you continue to bless me and those I love. Prepare and protect me for whatever the future may bring. Help me daily to walk by faith and not by sight, ever willing to proclaim your word and your marvelous deeds. Bless me with faith and courage to trust and obey you at all times. When I walk through dark valleys, give me the grace to know that you are always with me and always hear my prayers. Help me to persevere, Lord, as I wait with hope to spend eternity with you. My trust is in you, Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. Just a reminder, if you've downloaded the study guide, you can follow along with us as we go through each episode. It would be very helpful if you answer the questions in the study guide, if you're able. You can meet with a small group, listen to the podcast, and then discuss the questions amongst your group members. Others simply just enjoy doing the Bible study on their own with the Holy Spirit. Your choice. As I mentioned, we are studying chapter three titled, Let Christ Dwell in You. But first, Carrie, will you give us a brief recap about what we learned during our last episode? Sure. In our last episode called, Who Are You Now? Paul wants to make sure that we understand who we are and why. At one time, B.C., before Christ, we were by nature children of the wrath. But because of God's mercy and love, he brought us to new life with Christ and now we are children of God, and we belong to his son, Jesus Christ, who paid for us with his precious body and blood. 
Remembering who you were before Christ isn't about guilt or reliving the sins of your past. Rather, it's about seeing how far you have come and to be grateful for God's grace that brought you here right now. And hopefully, it will also help keep you from returning to old habits that could draw you away from God. Remembering who you were and who you are now will also help you create new habits, drawing you closer to a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, who made us a new creation, a new person. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, barriers in the past that separated us from each other and from God were now torn down. He made us all equal in God's eyes. Being in God's word is about helping us make right choices, choices that will help us create new habits, choices that will lead us closer to him and to our eternal home. As children of God, we have a reservation in heaven with our name on it. Jesus has saved a seat for each one of us at the table of the heavenly banquet, and we are able to accept the invitation by believing and letting Christ dwell in your heart so you can live for him and follow him. Once again, Paul is trying to encourage and strengthen our faith by reminding us that we have been saved by our faith in Christ so we can sit at that table in heaven with our brothers and sisters, the saints who are praying and waiting for us. You are a child of God. He chose you from the beginning of time to love you and to save you. You belong to him. He has a plan for your life, a plan to give you hope and peace, a plan to protect you if you let him. Thank you, Carrie. I love that plan. And I wanted to just uh, take a moment now to read the prologue for chapter three. Paul writes from prison, having been arrested for his bold preaching to the Ephesians. He tells them not to be discouraged about his trouble because it is meant for their glory. God commissioned him to bring the gospel to them so that they can know that because of the grace of God, they have become his chosen people along with the Jews and co-heirs in Christ's salvation. Paul prays that God will strengthen them so they will know the infinite love of Christ for them and that Christ will dwell in their hearts. He affirms that God's power is at work in them for the glory of Jesus Christ and the church. I'll turn it back to you, Carrie, as we begin chapter three. Okay, as you can tell in the prologue for chapter three, Paul is telling us that everything he was given through God's grace was for our benefit. Well, what does that tell us? It tells us that everything you and I have have been given through God's grace was for the benefit of others and that each one of us has an important role in God's plan of salvation. As Gentiles, we are co-heirs and co-partners in the promise of Jesus Christ. We are all in this together. We are all members of the body of Christ. We are full members of the family of God. Therefore, our spiritual gifts, our talents, and our resources have been given to us for the benefit of others. So everything you have no matter how little or how much, is to be used to help bring God's children into his kingdom. Paul was given the grace to preach to the Ephesians and even to us today. So we need to ask ourselves, why was God's grace given to me? That's an important question. Why was God's grace given to me? Each one of us are recipients of God's grace for one purpose— to share our faith so others will know and believe in Jesus Christ. 
and let him dwell in their hearts as hopefully he dwells in ours. I love the quote from St. Francis Xavier in the ponder for this episode. And he says, many, many people hereabouts are not becoming Christians for one reason only. There is nobody to make them Christians. Wow. Many people still don't know the mystery of Christ that was revealed to Paul and that is still being revealed to us today. Paul knew that God gave him the grace to preach to the Gentiles about the riches of Christ and to bring to light his plan to protect and save us. He's now telling us that we are his co-heirs and his co-partners. In other words, you and me are part of that mystery because we also share in the promise of Jesus Christ through the gospel. You are intentionally part of God's plan. You weren't just an afterthought. His plan was to deliver the Gentiles, and that means us, along with Israel from the very beginning. I don't know about you, but I think that's an awesome revelation, that you and I were chosen to be part of God's plan before the beginning of time. And we were all made equal in our Father's eyes. As Galatians 3.28 says, For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free person. There is not male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And the Catechism, paragraph 50, tells us that God revealed this mystery by sending us his beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit for the benefit of all. Linda, what do you think knowing the mystery that God has revealed to us means to you personally, and why do you think it's so important? Well, it's very comforting to know that God the Father has a plan for all of us, and he's willing not only to give us his only begotten son, but also the Holy Spirit, the helper, the advocate, to direct us on our journey back to him for eternity. Every time I read the Bible and see God's relentless love, his movement and the actions to bring each of us back to him, I'm in all of his love and his goodness. And that's important because it gives us those timely reminders to spur us to action in love, both for the Lord and everyone around us in the here and now. Well, as you said, Linda, it's good to remember that God has a plan for each one of us, and it's up to us to discern what that plan is. One thing for sure that God's plan for us includes is making us holy. In chapter 3, verse 8, Paul refers to himself as the least of the holy ones. He recognizes his past sins when he persecuted Christians because he didn't know the truth, and he certainly didn't know who Christ was. So how could Christ dwell in him? But now that Paul sees the truth and he knows who Jesus Christ is and what he did for him, he recognizes that he was chosen as one of the holy ones in whom Christ dwells. And he also knows that he is unworthy. You and me and all of those listening right now are the holy ones that Paul is referring to. God chose all of us to be holy. I don't know about you, but I find it difficult to think of myself as being holy. I heard someone once say, if you think you're holy, you're not. And I remember praying, Lord, make me holy, just never let me know it. (laughs) So far, he's answering that prayer. (laughs) So how can we be holy? 
by letting Christ dwell in us and doing our best to live for him. Being holy is also being in a close relationship with God. When I think of people who were in a close relationship with God, I think of people like Mother Teresa or St. John Paul, holy people who dedicated their lives to feeding the poor and people who dedicated their lives by feeding people with the word of God. That doesn't mean they were perfect or without sin. It means two things, that they used the spiritual gifts and the grace that God gave them to do whatever he asked them to do. It means surrendering everything we are and have to him and doing his will, no matter the cost. As I've said many times before, God will always give you the grace to do whatever he asks you to do. He may ask you to raise children or to be a priest or a nun, or he may ask you to live the gospel in the workplace. Never refuse doing what God is asking you to do. Not only will he give you the grace to do it, he will bless you abundantly. Maybe not in this life, but surely in the next. Linda, as you know, my husband and I raised our four grandchildren who ranged in age from 11 months to six and a half years old. And it wasn't an easy thing to do at our ages. Once I had someone ask me, what did I do to tick God off? And a good friend who frequently told me she was so glad she wasn't me. When I look back at those years, I know there is only one way we were able to raise those children. It was through the grace of God. Under my own strength, I could have never done it. And although I couldn't see it then, now when I look back, I see what a blessing they were and they still are. Sharing your faith with little ones is easy. They're like sponges and they believe you. And it's, it's not so easy when they get older, is it? But most likely, we all have family members who have left their faith behind to follow the world. But don't give up hope. Let them see Christ dwell in you without words. And pray that God will place people in their path who will lead them back to him. Trust God and hang on to what Philippians 1, 6 says. The one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Our job was to plant the seeds of faith and let God do the growing. No matter where or what he calls you to do, you are called to share and live your faith with or without words so others will want what you have. Paul persecuted the church by persecuting Christians. I doubt any of us have literally done what Paul did, but maybe we have persecuted people in other ways. We know that words can kill. This is why it's so important to be careful with what we say, most especially about the church of Christ and those who serve in his church from the top to the bottom. Remember, the church is perfect, but the people in the church aren't. That's why we shouldn't judge, but let God be the judge because only he knows what is in a person's heart. Your words or actions can cause someone to leave the church, and you certainly don't want to be responsible for someone losing faith or leaving the church because of something you said or did. When we see or hear something that we don't like or doesn't seem right, we're not called to judge the person, are we? We're called to pray and, when necessary, speak the truth with love if the Holy Spirit calls you to do so. God knows all and sees all. 
he will take care of everything in his time. And if he needs your help, he will certainly let you know. In chapter 3, verse 17, Paul kneels before God and prays that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. What a great prayer to pray for our leaders and for our families or for anyone who may be questioning or straying from their faith that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Why does Paul kneel before God? Well, kneeling is a form of worship. As Psalm 95 verse 6 says, Enter, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who has made us. Kneeling is a form of submission. And through our body, it expresses what is in our heart. So what does it mean to dwell? Well, if you look at the points of interest in your study guide, you will see that it basically means home. It's where one lives. It's a place of rest. It's where through faith and love, you live and spend time with Christ. Recently, my grandson made a wooden sign that said, home is where Jesus is. That's, that was a beautiful sign, and he, he didn't give it to me. He wanted to sell it to me. <laughs> he tried to sell it to me for $20, but we settled on a lower price. He's watched too many episodes of Shark Tank. <laughs> what a true statement from a child. Home is where Jesus is. And when we let Christ live in us, we are safe at home. God is protecting us no matter what happens. William Barclay once said, the secret of strength is the presence of Christ within our lives. Christ will gladly come into our lives, but he will never force his way in. He must await our invitation to bring his strength. Letting Christ live in us also brings us peace. And the more peace we have from God, the more peace we can bring into our life situations and the more peace we can bring to others. If you want Christ to live in you, if you want inner strength, if you want peace in your life, then ask for it. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. And Colossians three sixteen, Paul's request and prayer for us is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I think that's also a great prayer to say for those who have left their faith. Let the word of Christ dwell in them richly. If you want the word of Christ to dwell in you, ask for it. I think God waits for each of us to ask for the right things that will bless us and bring us closer to him. Linda, why do you think it's so important to let Christ and his word dwell in you and why is it so important to be aware that his home is in you? Carrie, I've noticed that being in the word has helped form my conscience and helped me to be more receptive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I still have a lot of work to do, don't get me wrong, but at least I can see progress. Mm -hmm. It's easier for me to know when something I'm considering doing is better off avoided or something I might say is better left unsaid. I can see with a little more clarity and discern, as it says in Catechism, uh, paragraph 1954, one of my favorites, the truth from the lie. Mm, exactly. And I think Psalm 119.11 also tells us why it's so important to have the word dwell in us, as it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
I don't believe any of us want to intentionally sin. That's why knowing God's word is so important, because it helps keep us from sinning. In this letter to the Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul's prayer continues as he prays. May we have strength to comprehend with all the holy ones the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Paul's not praying for physical strength here. He's praying for something more valuable. He's praying for inner strength. And that's the strength that gives us the power to defeat temptations from the evil one. It's the strength that gets us through the storms and the tough times in our lives. It's the strength that keeps us from giving up. And it's the strength that tells us that God is with us and is protecting us. Our inner strength comes from letting Christ and his word dwell in us. So pray for inner strength, not only for yourself, but also for your loved ones. Pray for our leaders in the church, in our nation, and in our world, that they will let Christ and his word dwell in them so they will have inner strength to follow the will of God. Can you just imagine what our world would look like if everyone was saying that prayer? If you find it difficult to pray because you just can't find the words, don't worry about it. Just use Paul's prayers. Let me give you an example. Let's say I'm praying for you, Linda, and I just can't find the words, so I go to Paul's words and I pray, Lord, I pray that Christ may dwell in Linda's heart through faith and that she will have the strength to comprehend and know the love of Christ so she will be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. You see how easy Paul has made it for us to pray? Paul ends this chapter wanting us to know the depth of Christ's love for all of us, but also he wants us to know that there is power at work in each one of us, the power to do far more than what we can ask or imagine. In other words, don't have little faith, expecting little results. Pray with great faith, expecting great things from our great God who can accomplish more than we can even imagine. In the meantime, while you're waiting for your prayers to be answered in his way, in his timing, praise him through the good times and through the difficult times. And you will bring him glory and honor by trusting in him. And it will also give you inner strength and peace. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. So many great points that you raised and several I think that would be really helpful to dig a little deeper into during the Proclaim My Word Unplug section. The Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and the Quest, will continue in moments on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. This is Susan Milani from St. Catherine of Siena Catholic Church in Kennesaw, Georgia. You're listening to AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. And now we return to the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Just what you just talked about there, I think um, expecting we have little faith and we expect little results. Is it because we're afraid of being disappointed? Why is it that we 
even though the Bible says so many times he can do more than we can imagine and even think to ask. Well, I think it's because we don't understand how big our God is. <laughs> um, and once we understand that, then we can understand that he can answer our prayers in greater ways than we ever even imagined. And, um, you know, I'm not sure why we pray for, for little things. Uh, maybe it's because, again, we don't know who he is. And uh, we should start praying for bigger things, bigger blessings, more mercy, more grace, mm -hmm. and just watch what happens. Yeah, and in addition to that, I think it's, just as you say that, it comes to mind that we also want to pray as if it's already been achieved. Exactly. Start thanking exactly. him, and that's exactly. where the praise Exactly. That I know is so important. Exactly. And I think we covered this in a, a later episode, but um, try thanking him in advance. Like you said, instead of praying for what you want, thank him for what you are asking for. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you, Lord, for that job that you're finding for me. Thank you for uh, helping my child return back to the church. Thank you for bringing me peace. And, and you know, just by praying that, it already sets a motion of trust, mm -hmm. and which is exactly what God wants. Right, and exactly what we lack. Yes, and it also is putting the onus on Him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah because we're still doing the all the checklist to do list right, of all right, the things right. we need to do to make it happen. And yeah, because that's what it is. We just prayer should be uh, transport us right to a different like, to really right right. As Paul speaks in this letter, the mystery of God. Yes, and th there's many ways we can do that, but we don't. We don't want to let go of this. You know, we, we always say that we want it to be like heaven on earth, but we're, we cling to the earth. We cling to the earth, right? Right. You know, the most simple things we don't want to give up. Um, one other thing that you mentioned, I know this. We've talked about this before, but we'll get more to it. I think at the end, because when we put on that armor mm -hmm, spiritual armor mm -hmm. is putting on the virtues that's right and um so creating new habits and anything you have to say about habits because we are learning about a lot of them in this letter of what we want to do but how do we try to make that a habit not just give it a one or two tries mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. really habitually do something right well they say it takes 21 days to change a habit mm -hmm. i don't know if that's true or not but it sounds good um well, first of all, you, you ask for the help of the Holy Spirit because a habit, especially something that we might be addicted to, and I don't mean just drugs, but mm -hmm. we can be addicted to many things. Mm -hmm. um, we can be addicted to our idols, mm -hmm. and I think um, that applies to, to many things. So first we ask uh, for the strength, the inner strength, to remove those idols the habit of worshiping those idols, whether it be money, things, people, whatever it is, to help that be removed from us. And um, to be aware, first of all, you have to be aware that it's a habit mm -hmm. and not a healthy habit. Uh, the other day, my grandson said, oh, you're just addicted to God. And I said, yeah, well, I probably am, but if you're going to have an addiction, that, that's a good one to have. <laughs> She's so, watching, though, that tells you what we uh, said. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. um, so watch to see what your addictions are, what your habits are, and then uh, pray for the strength to remove that habit. Mm -hmm. If it's, And just discern whether that, if that habit's leading you closer to the Lord or further away from Him. Right, like we said before, because we have habits. 
that we might be aware of, might not be aware of, but we need to discern that. And then once we decide that that's not what we want to move forward with and we need to break down that habit, then we have to decide what we want to put on. And, you know, to move, whether it be humility or any number of different, um, you know, virtues that we can put on. And then, um, and we know that that can show up in different ways. Like, uh, I remember years ago where I said, I'm going to attend daily mass during Lent and it stuck. And I had no excuse afterwards to say I didn't have time because my time wasn't any less during Lent, you know, or anymore. And then afterwards I just so enjoyed it and felt so much more in time with the seasons of the year, the liturgical seasons of the year and with my parish, et cetera, that I just kept on doing it afterwards. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it takes a little bit of discernment to see what habits you have that you want to get rid of and then what you want to put on. Well, that's a great habit to have. Um, You could also uh, have a habit of maintaining your schedule Mm -hmm. and filling your schedule up with things that aren't necessarily that critical or that important. How you spend your time, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you have a habit of staying up too late Mm -hmm. when you should be getting more rest. And uh, we all have more time, should have more time to spend in prayer. It just depends on how you spend your time. Yeah. So you said specifically, and Paul, Paul says this, that everything has been given to us for the benefit of others. Right. And when we let that really sink in, how does that show up? Like give a couple more examples or thoughts around that so we can remember that when it doesn't really feel like it has any purpose. Yeah. Well, let's say you've been given the gift of a beautiful voice. Mm -hmm. How do you use that voice to help bring others to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, music is a great way to be inspired by the Lord. But say you're an, you're an artist and you've um, been given the gift of, of having this artistic ability and your drawings, your paintings can be used to bring others to him. It wasn't a gift just given for you to keep, for you to enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be put out there for others to be blessed whether you have the gift of teaching, preaching, healing, whatever, uh, doctors, nurses, designers, whatever, um, you've been given the gift to bless others. Mm-hmm. So think about what gifts you've been given and how you can use those to bless others. Yeah, and you saying that, it reminds me of you know, one of the distinctions of sin is when we turn inward. Right. And we can take some as a beautiful gift of God and we can turn it inward right. you know, for just our own purposes or hold it selfishly. And then even like the most intimate thing uh, with in the terms of prayer with God, once we say that if we're given the gift of prayer, being an intercessor, I oh, mean, right. to, to really someone who kind of carries that cross with the person, you know, really intercedes, it's it's distinguishes uh, you know, enormously from just everyday prayer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful way of taking that gift and helping yeah. do it. Well, we have no idea the effect that our prayers have on other people, on the world, on our politicians, on our church leaders. We mm-hmm. have no idea. And sometimes we can get it, fall into the uh, mistaken idea that our prayers aren't effective, but that's a very dangerous place to be. Don't ever think your prayers aren't effective. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now I'm in the middle of doing one of the novenas to Our Lady Undoer of Knots. Uh-huh. I'm doing it on behalf of someone else. I'm telling you, I 
I have no idea if anything's happening in that person's life, but I can feel it. And then as you say, those prayers, it's generally for something in your own life, Mm -hmm. but I can feel that working as I'm saying the prayers as I'm on whatever day, the fifth day, those same prayers that you repeat, I can feel like today they're more intense than they were a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a reminder for everyone that do not, that is a lie of the devil that your prayers don't make a difference. That's right. They do. And if you don't know what a novena is, it is nine days of prayer uh, that you say for a specific intention and where that originated is from the when the apostles were in the upper room um, after Christ ascended. They prayed for nine days, and on the tenth day, the Holy Spirit descended. Mm-hmm. So that's where the word novena comes from. Yeah, and it's very powerful that that um, co- comes to us from the Bible. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it does something, I can tell you, because I've done a lot of novenas, and, yes. I, and I always start them like, ugh. Nine days, you know, it's a commitment, but then it's one of those things. It's mm-hmm. always better after mm-hmm. I've done it. So um, one other thing that I want to make sure to cover was um, we have talked about we don't want to dwell on the past, uh, but we look at St. Paul. St. Paul, like, he was pretty active, right, before mm-hmm. he got to writing this oh, letter. He, yes, he was. So, like, in Acts chapter 8, the word, you know, meanwhile, Saul was his previous name, was trying to destroy the church. Then in Galatians 2, you know, tried to destroy church and um, called himself a zealot. Right. He thought he was doing the right thing. Right. Right. And he was, he's very adamant. And then he realizes that the plan where the Christians, and he so knew the law, you know, and he starts to see them married together. So he had a chance to kind of clean up his act. Right. What about... If we're sitting in our life and we think like, wow, I don't want to dwell in the past, but there's something I feel I should clean up mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. needs any advice on that of how to discern that? Because you don't really want to go and just stir up something because you think it's a to-do list, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. maybe there is something that's tugging on someone's heart. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I want to make sure people understand what changed Paul was he, he had an encounter with Christ. Mm-hmm. And if if you want to change something, make sure you have an encounter with Christ. And I also think it's good to take the situation that you were talking about, whatever it is in the past. Maybe you were abused or or maybe you did something that you, you shouldn't have done. Take Christ with you back in the past. Mm. Take him with you. Ask him to heal you or ha- ask him to heal that person or ask forgiveness is a great way to go back in the past take him with you and ask him to give you the strength to forgive that person or especially to forgive yourself Mm -hmm. i think that's really important so we don't hang on to our past lives yeah because that's where the devil would want us to be stuck stuck and then we can't participate in the saving plan and um, that's that's very helpful so one I want to make sure, I guess at this, with it, you know, chapter three, and they, I've, I've read that it's, that's the, you know, chapters one, two, and three are the dogmatic section, you know, mm-hmm. and then we get to more practical, mm-hmm. which is exciting mm-hmm. to look forward to. But the ending that he speaks of, Paul, on uh, verse 20, um, says, Now to him who is able to accomplish far more than all we can, all we ask or imagine by the power at work within us, to um, him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus 
to all generations forever and ever. So it's kind of like a praise and a doxology mm-hmm. that he puts together. Um, and like it's truly he's praising God for the divine plan. Right. Yeah. So how can we do that? How can we, because we are part of this story, how can we do what Paul did? What Paul did? Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to have that encounter that I, I mentioned yep. before. And um, if you haven't had one, then ask for one. And once you you get into that relationship with Jesus Christ, not just a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. I think you can have a personal relationship with somebody but not really know them. Mm-hmm. Um, what I believe he wants is an intimate relationship with you. And um, we can have that relationship when we begin praising God. Mm-hmm. Because when you start praising him, as Paul is doing, you get to know who he is. You can't really love somebody until you know them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the more you praise God, the more you learn who he is. You learn who, what he has done for you, what he is doing for you, what he can do for you. And then that takes you to really being able to love him. And then once you get to the point where you know him, you love him, and guess what you do next? Mm-hmm. You can't help but serve him. And that's exactly what Paul did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly what Paul did. He 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 got to know Jesus through his encounter, and through that, his love for the Lord was established. And Paul could not help serving, even if it meant going to prison and even if it meant suffering for him. Mm-hmm. So we get back to the Baltimore Catechism. <laughs> to know him, to love him, and to serve him. Yeah, and you saying that just makes me think that we have two of the, the big-time names, St. Peter and St. Paul. And St. Peter, we sort of reduce that to he denied him, and we picture a rooster crowing. Mm-hmm. And then we mm-hmm. say, oh, then he was good, and all was well. And then we have Paul, and we basically say that he killed Christians mm-hmm. and then we imagine even though it's not in the Bible that he fell off a horse right, right, right we have that right. picture in our mind yeah. and that's all we leave but I think what you're saying is they were like us exactly and isn't it wonderful that that God would include that the Holy Spirit would include in scripture uh, such humanity in people mm-hmm. I love Peter because of the way he fell mm-hmm. and the way he denied Christ three times and um, the way we deny Christ in our lives mm-hmm. but Peter came back he didn't get stuck in that sin of denial he got back up mm-hmm. Judas didn't yep Judas if Judas had just come back and said forgive me well hopefully maybe he did we don't know mm-hmm. maybe he did mm-hmm. um, and that's all he had to do was say forgive me Lord for betraying mm-hmm. you and that's all we have to do mm-hmm. say forgive us Lord for betraying you. Yeah, and, and you could see with Paul's life how he you know, he was given that kind of quiet time where obviously the Lord was working on him. That was it was the initial encounter, but there's a definite encounter that happened. Definite that we hear yeah. about in the Acts yeah. of the Apostles that we can only imagine. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. and that's I think encouraging for all of us that it's not a one and done. Uh-huh. That this is, you know, conversion day by day. Right. And so he was very much like us. Right. I also want to clarify something when I said encounter. Mm-hmm. We all don't need to be struck down uh, like on the road to Damascus like Paul was. Because mm-hmm. some people might be out there saying, well, gee, I haven't had an experienced encounter like that. 
you may not need it. Mm-hmm. You may not need it. There are different ways of encountering Christ. We can encounter him in our heart. We can encounter him in our daily lives. There are just different ways. Don't think because you don't have this amazing experience that you haven't encountered Christ. Yeah, that again is some things that can sort of make us doubt. Right. And and particularly too, when we do have encounters or conversion day by day, it's natural that the evil one would want us to discount that. That's right. Yeah. And we might even do that ourselves, just out of doubt or no, that couldn't have happened or... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you go to mass and you you pray for some healing and you sense it happens. But then afterwards you're like, but is it really healed? Start to doubt it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't want to doubt it. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. No, we're not doubting yeah, here. Yeah, no doubting yeah, Thomas yeah. is here. <laughs> the other thing is when you pray for healing, and I think this is what kind of uh, confuses a lot of people, especially if somebody is really sick. Um, sometimes I don't know how to pray for them. Mm-hmm. So I pray for God's mercy. Um, And even if it means that they pass, Mm -hmm. um, I still believe it's God's mercy. Mm -hmm. It it may not benefit us to have that person pass, but it certainly may benefit them. Yeah, so one prayer that I say, which I'll say it here, but I don't tell people, but if they ask me to pray for someone who's ill or sick, I always pray that the Lord's will be done. but. Regardless, I pray for a happy death. Yes. Because if it doesn't happen in this suffering or this particular acute illness, mm-hmm. it can happen 20 years down. I That's a prayer I would want everyone praying for me as a happy death. Exactly. Exactly. Like we talked about last time with our choices in our life and yes. all of that. Yes. It leads to, and we don't want to look back on our deathbed if we have the experience of a deathbed. Yes. And um, that we look back and say, I wish I should have, could have. Yes, absolutely. In terms of the suffering... We have a a part in this chapter three about strengthening of the inner man. And it made me think of the theological virtues, mm-hmm. faith, hope, and charity. And, mm-hmm. and we know the Holy Spirit's at work. Um, so anything you want to say about that, about the faith, hope, and charity to strengthen us from the inside? Well, I think uh, obviously you want to pray for more faith. I don't think we we, we do that enough. I've just recently been praying for even more faith and pray for more uh, hope and charity. Uh, I think we forget to pray for those things. Um, And I also wanted to make another comment about uh, you praying for a happy death. Mm -hmm. I think one way to be sure we're praying for, we we have a happy death, is to always make sure you're prepared for death. Yes. Always make sure you're prepared for death. Now, I don't mean to be morbid. Mm-hmm. That's not a morbid thought or, or belief, but we never know when the Lord's going to call us home. Mm-hmm. So always be prepared with faith, hope, and charity in your heart. Yeah, And that also allows you to live so freely. Exactly, exactly. If you, instead of worrying about some future time, it's, it's so important for us to do the Lord's will. We have to be in the present. Exactly. As as I always comment, that woman that was on the Sea of Galilee, that was our server one evening, she just comes up to us and she said, if you're mad at the past or afraid of the future, you're not in the present where God can use you. Right. And I always remind people that after she said that it was so profound, I just knew it was like the Lord was using her to give this word. Mm-hmm. And 
when I would be in my thoughts thinking I should have done this, I should have done that, basically mad at the past or contemplating the past or afraid of the future, what's going to happen? What if I don't do this? Or what if this happens? I knew as soon as my thoughts went to either one of those two places, I wasn't in the present. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I was able to start to move that aperture in so I could stay in the present. And when you stay in the present, you're so much more free. Exactly. I recently had an experience where um, I thought I might uh, be terminal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a two-week period there, I was really in the present. <laughs> 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 and it made me really think about a lot of things in life. And, you know, I thought I was uh, prepared to to meet my maker, but I found out during those two weeks I really wasn't. Wow. And um, what a blessing that was to find out that uh, the diagnosis was not accurate. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not, I mean, we're all terminal, but I wasn't <laughs> immediately terminal. <clears throat> Excuse me. I like that. <laughs> um, so I had a lot of time to think. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it, it was such a blessing those, those two weeks to have, not knowing what your diagnosis was. I think if we all live like that, mm-hmm. not knowing when our end is coming wow and if we as an extension to that if we live like the person we love only has two weeks left exactly that's a great point because it's a you know uh, the, it all can be summed up uh, you know love the god you love god above all things and love our neighbor as ourself and if we could say that that person we love that we tend to get into little you know, disagreements or whatever, or just don't call back or whatever we might do. We would hate if that wasn't. Yes. During those two weeks, my husband was so attentive. (laughs) We didn't have one disagreement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was just totally focused on what, what the future might hold. And it's, it's okay if that's what it. Yeah. No, that's that's a good reminder. If we get nothing out of this letter to the future, yeah, except for yeah. that, that's a great thing. Be in the present. Be in the present. One other thing I think that comes off of that is one thing that's eternally present, but it is outside of time, is the Mass, mm-hmm. Divine mm-hmm. Liturgy. Mm-hmm. That we know that when we talked about that story arc and God the Father, you know, from Father Alar's book, you know, He created us, and then. Jesus redeemed us, and then the Holy Spirit pulls us out and keeps on divinizing us and sanctifying, sanctifying us. us. Mm-hmm. And where that specifically, like it just um, uh, crystallizes, at, is at the Mass. Mm-hmm. And one thing that Father Alar really talks about is he said this big circle. And he says, you know, that we you know, come from God, we return to God, which we've been talking about. And that concluding doxology, it means so much more to me at Mass than it had before before reading this book and understanding it. But through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So that's what the priest says at the very end. That's before we do the Our Father. And it's just like what St. Paul is doing at the end of this, where he's in a true state of praise, right? And that... But at the same time, we're forever giving the honor and praise to the Lord at the Mass. Mm-hmm. It's like you can tell when you read 
the Ephesians and the other letters of St. Paul that he went to, he went to mass. He was, <laughs> he got it. Yeah, he got, he got it. it. He, he really got it. was living it. And he, it made that the plan of salvation so much more present to him. Like he was able to, to really sense it. And you could tell he wants it for everyone. Yeah. He understood it. Mm-hmm. He understood it. It And he, he knew that his life here was just temporary. And I, I, I don't think we understand how, short our life is on earth mm-hmm. compared to our life in eternity yeah it's like one little inch compared to miles and miles mm-hmm. and miles yeah so when we're making decisions and choices you might want to think about that mm-hmm. yeah and i will say too i'm not likening like exactly what paul said on verse 20 to the mass because it's totally different i mean they're both right, right. types of doxologies but it's um very important for us to realize that mass is where it happens and the sacraments is where it's happened so getting to confession you know staying regularly part of um the sacrament of reconciliation mass not missing mass and if we really did get how much happens at mass we would never miss it right that's right we would miss it we, to never not attend it, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't think we realize the power at, at Mass mm-hmm. and the graces that we receive when we go to Mass. Yeah, that's it. If you think about it with the great grace, that's so much. Like we should, when you said about those two min, two weeks where you thought you were uh, terminal. immediately terminal. Immediately terminal. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you wanted every bit of grace you could get. Oh, that's such a great point. Yes, yes. I started searching books, reading. Prepa- I bought a book, uh, Preparing for Death, and, you mm-hmm. know, just a lot of different type, types of prayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you said earlier, too, about, you mentioned the quote about, there's no one to make them Christians. Yes. And that is what, looking at that, that's it's very sad because uh, it's not saying you oppressively no. Know, without free will it's like people there's people that want to be christians but they just don't know how That's and right. there's no one to help them on that right. path right and, and i always suggest uh, asking him lord who do you want me to reach out to mm-hmm. is there is there somebody invite to invite to a bible study or invite to my home or invite to a whatever going mm-hmm. to church or um just inviting them to join you um reaching out I know we weren't thinking of even talking about this, but during those two weeks, what else? We talked about what you were thinking about getting ready. We talked a little bit about your relationship with your husband. There was Mm -hmm. no disagreements. Mm -hmm. Um, People, other people in your interactions with them. Anything else that changed during that time? Well, um, I became more, I think, sensitive to my surroundings, to my family, to my legacy, to what I might leave behind. Um, I also tried to do a little bit more organizing. So, um, you know, closets and things because you don't want to leave a mess. <laughs> Those are just the earthly kind of things. But mm-hmm. uh, the main thing was getting my, my spiritual act together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's. I, I did talk to one of my friends who passed away of cancer. I remember we had a, not long before she passed it, it was when you, you're hopeful that the treatments will be positive, but 
most likely it's probably not going to be that way and that's the way it wasn't for her but i remember saying to her it was weird because i'm saying it in a point of health but we also were very close so i felt she knew where my heart was and i said we can look at it a couple ways this can be the saddest thing in the world or there's people who lose their lives instantly with no chance to have any now that's sad yeah reflection and particularly if they're they're not prepared and I said, you have this opportunity to be with your family, your friends, your loved ones, to reflect, to speak, to heal. You know, all everything you say, every interaction you have means so much mm-hmm. and it makes memories. I mean, think of Jesus at the Last Supper and the high priestly prayer and all he says, he's praying for them, he's praying for us that haven't yet come into the world. All of that, he's... He's praying and they remember so specifically what he says because it's their last interaction up to that point, to the, to mm-hmm. the cross mm-hmm. and everything afterwards, you know, that, that everything's taken in and we don't have many opportunities like that, but I think it's a reminder for all of us. That's what we should, because we have, like you said, so little time here. That's right. Yeah. How do you use that time? And when, when you were speaking, I was thinking of, I often think of Mary watching Jesus suffer. Mm. Mm-hmm. and how that what that did to her heart and uh, it was so much it wasn't so much him dying it was his watching what the suffering that he had to go through mm-hmm. and when we watch people suffer that's hard mm-hmm. it, it's that's why I pray for God's mercy when people are sick because I don't know if he wants to heal them or if he wants to take them home yeah and that's where we leave it to him because he knows he knows best. But we do know that there's a value in suffering if we can see that. That's right. So, Carrie, thank you so much for taking time to go through those questions. Would you lead us in the closing prayer found on page five of episode three, please? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, thank you for blessing me in more ways than I can count, most especially by making me a co-heir and a member of the body of Christ. I praise you and I give you thanks for giving me the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit to know you, to love you, and to serve you. May my heart be a fitting place for you and your Son, Jesus Christ, to dwell. Lord, I pray that you will make me holy by increasing my faith and my trust and my love for you. Help me to remember the depth of your love for me and that you are always protecting me and those I love. Bless me with the wisdom to be willing to suffer for your glory and the wisdom to know what you desire of me. Give me the courage to proclaim and live your word. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Join Carrie and me next time as we continue to hear about God's plan to protect and save us. Our next podcast is episode four, chapter four of the letter to the Ephesians called Bodybuilding for Christ. It's not too late to download the study guide if you haven't already. And it's also not too late to invite a friend or family member to join you in this study because sharing your faith increases your faith. (laughs) Until our next episode, pray that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith and that he will hide his word in your heart so you will not sin against him. Remember, Paul was in prison and suffered so you and I could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. So will you suffer so others can be saved? 
And I'd like to close with one of my favorite verses, which is in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ wants to dwell in your heart. Will you let him? You may not always feel that he is there, but just know and believe that he is right there with you and in you. And remember, if you want peace and inner strength, just ask for it. Be blessed and be a blessing until our next episode. Know his word, live his word, and proclaim his word. Know my word, live my word, proclaim my word. This has been the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and AM 1160 The Quest. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you heard, please consider supporting Proclaim My Word. Just go to ProclaimMyWord.org and hit the donate button. You'll also find the link to register for the current study and receive the study guide at ProclaimMyWord.org. Thank you for your generosity in helping us evangelize by spreading His Word. This has been a production of AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio.